0: Welcome to The Rodcast with Rod Turner, the show all about real estate. We discuss everything that affects asset-backed businesses, investments, and go deep into the details with some of the best in the business. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Rodcast. And today, I'm very excited to bring you, well, some exciting news, but also A news update. We've had a lot going on at the moment. Unfortunately, I don't have a guest today, so it's just going to be my dulcet tones that you're going to listen to, but hopefully I'll make it as uh, quick and painless as possible. Before we get into this month's property news, I wanted to give you some personal news. After a long time of wanting to own a financial services business, I'm very pleased to say that myself and regular guest Adam Lawrence have joined forces with Simon Das from 978 Finance. We are a directly authorised and fully independent FCA-regulated mortgage broker. So we specialise in buy-to-let mortgages, commercial mortgages, bridging and development loans. As you've probably heard, I like to bang on about finance. I've been very passionate about finance for a long time. And they've been part of financing quite a lot of complex deals, as well as your typical buy to let and commercial mortgages. And Simon has built a great platform and he caught our attention with his focus on the customer journey, which we have found to sometimes be lacking in certain areas of finance. And he very much shares mine and Adam's own views on pragmatic solution-orientated finance. And he's been instrumental in some really quite complex loans for us. And now we're very, very excited to be able to grow that business with him. So if you do have any finance requirements for any of your property deals, whether they are refinances, new mortgages, bridging or development loans, please do get in contact with either me or you can contact Simon at simon at 978finance.com. And we will obviously make sure we do our best to ensure you're well looked after. So. Let's get on to the property news. Now, I'm recording this on Wednesday the 7th in the evening, and we have just had the King's speech today. And if you're as an exciting person as I am, you may have read the briefing notes. I've got to admit, I haven't read all 147 pages of those briefing notes, but I did read the ones that are relevant to property. And there were two really standout sections of that. One is the renters reform bill. And so the main points in that are, obviously we all know that no-fault evictions, Section 21s are going to be banned. But what it sets out is what they want to achieve and a little bit more meat on the bone about how they want to do that. So they have also said they're going to strengthen grounds for possession if landlords want to sell or move in or even have close family move in. They are also going to increase the speed of evictions for rent arrears. So increase those grounds for possession for people who are persistent rent arrears. How should I describe them? People that are persistently in-rent arrears is probably the better way to say it. Um, Also, anyone that breaches tenancy agreements or causes damage will result in an eviction in as little as two weeks. Now they haven't quite got onto huge amounts of detail about how that's going to happen, but they've also said that eviction for antisocial behavior is going to be made quicker. That was one of the things that had came up, especially in shared housing. It made it very it should come as welcome news for not just landlords but other tenants as well in shared housing as well and there's going to be a new ombudsman set up to support cheaper and quicker resolutions between landlords and tenants. This one's quite an important one. There are going to be new grounds for possession for the student market. So this is really going to come down to, obviously, the student year is fairly cyclical. They have recognised that. And they've recognised that landlords will need to have a guarantee of possession for each academic year. And so there will be new grounds for that. So student landlords will be happy to hear about that, I'm sure. Although there was nothing in there about being able to still offer a fixed term. So, I mean, it seems pragmatic on the face of it. Let's see what happens. The big kind of thing that is, I suppose, frustrating me a little bit on this is Obviously, they're promising to not abolish Section 21 until the courts have been reformed. They haven't really gone into detail what this means. They come up with kind of slogans like, we won't do it until there has been significant improvement. But it's hard to quantify what significant improvement in the court system means. Obviously, if they're saying that possession for certain grounds will result in eviction in as little as two weeks... I mean, going from where we are now, yeah, there is a very much significant improvement needed in the court system. I assume they keep talking about this new digital system for possessions. What I I think will probably end up happening is they will class that as significant improvement. And once that is set up, they will probably give the green light to abolish Section 21. I'd love it if they didn't and did it when the courts were properly able to cope. The reality is, I don't think that day will ever come. I'm not sure how they're going to kind of entice a huge amounts of judiciary back into. The courts but yeah let's see what happens so that was the rented reform bill the main points really i think it's page 45 to 48 if you go and have a look at that it it will give some details of the briefing notes and i'll try and put a link to that in the section if you really want to kind of some help nodding off this evening the other main section was the leasehold and freehold reform bill and so the main points from here are they want to make it cheaper and easier for existing leaseholders to extend their lease or buy the freehold, which will come as great news to leaseholders. How are they gonna do that? So they're going to increase the standard lease extension from 90 years to 990 years with ground rent reduced to nothing, so zero ground rent. So the idea behind that is they want people to have security of the future, so that's good news. They're going to remove the two-year rule that's currently in place before leaseholders are allowed to give a lease extension or looked by the freehold which is the section 42 so that's also great news as well so anyone buying something maybe you're buying at auction and it's got a short leasehold you won't need to get the existing buyer to serve that section 42 and have it assignable to you for example if you're buying something Um, you can serve it as soon as you've got it. So that's great news for potential leaseholders there. Um, They're also going to increase the 25% non-residential limit, which currently prevents leaseholders in mixed-use buildings from buying the freehold or taking over the management of the building. Again, it's a bit of a gripe with anyone that lives sort of above a shop in a block of flats, things like that, who owns the leasehold. It's always been a bit of a bone of contention, so that should be good news. Um, they are setting a maximum time and fee for the provision of information such as buildings, insurance or service charge accounts, which are normally required when a leaseholder wants to sell their property. So, again, they are making sure that freeholders don't have you over a barrel because they know you're motivated to sell and start charging you these exorbitant fees. Um, so, again, that's great news. They've talked about transparency over service charges, but haven't really given much detail as to over how they're going to do that. So, again, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens there. They're going to replace insurance commissions for freeholders with administration fees. So it's clear as to what you're paying for rather than this kind of brown envelope industry that freeholders have with these insurance companies and their commissions that they get. Um, they're also going to extend access to the redress schemes. Again, not really sure how that's going to affect things. I'm not sure who. To be honest, I don't know um, who is currently not able to get on those redress schemes. I've got a feeling it might be people in mixed use buildings, but I'll have to double check on that. And they're obviously also going to ban the creation of leasehold houses, which is sort of the main one that's been in the news. Recently, So if you missed the King's speech, if you weren't sad enough like me to read the briefing notes, that should hopefully give you an idea of of what's planned. Pretty good news on the whole for landlords and tenants as well. So um, let's hope they can actually get on and do that. The one big issue for me at the moment is still how they're going to get or prepare those courts for the abolition of Section 21. But let's see what happens there. So on to some other news. House prices. Well, we've got the two large mortgage company index. We've had Halifax have actually said we've got our first month on month increase in God knows how long. Halifax have said house prices have gone up 1.1 percent in the last month up to October. They're still down 3.2 percent on the year, but that's a monthly increase, which is welcome news. And also nationwide have also said that theirs has gone up month on month as well, by almost the same, 0.9% instead of the 1.1% that Halifax had. And that shows a 3.3% decrease in house prices over the year. So at least there's some consistency between the two. Obviously, look, we know there's various different indexes. There's various different ways in which they're they're looked at. But what we're really looking at are kind of directions of travel here. So we're still looking like it's down on the year, probably going to continue going down a little bit further, but let's it's obviously positive that we've had a month on month increase there are kind of seasonal adjustments that need to be made here so what i like to look at is kind of let's see what it's doing on a three-month basis and that normally gives you quite a good direction of travel to look at rents are still bounding upwards they're going pretty crazy as they have been going for the last sort of 18 months we're still seeing london looking fairly unaffordable as is Sort of the east of England, southwest England, actually, regions that have actually become even more affordable are the northeast. So that has actually become more affordable due to rents increasing and property prices coming down a bit. Um, Onto the mortgage market. At the moment, we have the five-year swap has dropped to just 4.22%. So that is quite a big drop if we look at where it was sort of a month ago. So we're expecting kind of mortgage rates. We're even hearing that HSBC are reducing theirs tomorrow. Virgin and Halifax have reduced theirs. That's for homeowners and some of their buy-to-let products. So what we're typically starting to see are some rates coming in around that 5% mark hopefully some of these arrangement fees will be dropping too so you can expect that blended rate to be around that 5.5% for a five-year fix now including those arrangement fees so again things are coming down slightly good news based on kind of where we were sort of a month or two ago. Definitely, if you've got refinances going on or, find, or or mortgages coming up, let go back to those lenders and see if they are dropping those rates because until they're completed, might be worthwhile doing. So those are the main stories. I just want to touch a little bit at the end On property tax, there's been all sorts of stuff going on in the exciting world of tax. Look, we've had things like hybrid structures be brought to attention by Dan Needle. Spotlight 63 from HMRC has come up talking about those. And really what these are talking about is mitigating Section 24, the interest relief on mortgages, And what some people have been trying to do or what some tax planners and I put tax planners in inverted commas there have been have been advising some of their clients to do now some of those planning schemes we'll call them possibly don't add up with the legislation's view of what should be happening so i would just say look if you are looking at mitigating section 24 if you're looking at incorporating if you're looking to do anything in terms of that just make sure whoever is doing the tax planning is part of a redress scheme so as long as they've got cta or similar those sort of letters after their name that's really want to make sure they're part of a redress scheme if in doubt get a second Opinion from someone else in a redress scheme. And if it does seem too good to be true, it probably is. And with that in mind, we've also got things like the typical kind of wild west of property tax has always been in things like research and development, capital allowances, that sort of stuff. So I would just say if you are going down that route, there's, I mean, we get kind of letters and emails on a daily basis from these sort of people saying, hey, we can give you these capital allowance and research and development grants and all sorts of crazy, crazy kind of schemes that they're doing. So I would just say just be very careful of those. Again, one of the big ones at the moment is SDLT, people trying to claim for uninhabitable reliefs. Now, there was a case recently which was heard at the first tier tribunal, which was Mudan and Anor versus HMRC. It was won by HMRC based on the property being considered habitable. So in Mudan and Aina's case, the property was not suitable for use as a dwelling, and therefore the non-residential rates of SDLT should have been applied, is what their argument was. And this is due to the property being vandalised since it was last occupied and requiring various works before the property could be safely lived in. However, HMRC successfully argued that although at the time of the completion, the property wasn't suitable for immediate occupation, it was still considered as suitable for use as a dwelling for SDLT purposes, and therefore no refund was available. So that is really, really important. It's considered suitable for use as a dwelling for SDLT purposes, rather than than the typical dwelling purposes so if you don't have a kitchen for example and you've got these people emailing you saying they'll get you this relief if you don't have a kitchen or working bathroom i'd push back on that and i would be very concerned so while obviously the first tier tribunal case outcome does not provide a binding decision for future cases it's certainly in line with hmrc's view and its online guidance has now been updated as well to reflect that. So it seems that there are very, very few situations where a property would actually be considered uninhabitable. So things that it would probably need to have are high levels of asbestos, high radioactive pollution or high probability of walls collapsing. So those are all listed as examples, but of perhaps not the reasons that repayment agents are targeting. And what these kind of repayment agents are targeting is typically no kitchen, no bathroom. So just to reiterate, if you're kind of going for that, please be aware of the most recent cases. So that is probably a whistle stop tour of this month's property news. Please do me a favour, like the podcast, subscribe to it on whatever platform you listen to, and I'd really, really appreciate a five-star review always appreciate those. If you do have any questions or any topics you'd like us to discuss on the broadcast, please just ping me an email rod at income through property.co.uk. If you've got any finance needs, same email, get it through to me. Otherwise, Simon as well. And I'll put those emails in the show notes. I hope you have a great day and good luck with your investments.